Soul Train, the place of love, peace, and of course, soul, was one of the longest running TV shows in history. It was broadcast nationally for decades, from the 70s through the early 2000s. And everyone knows the ever-so-cool Don Cornelius, the show's creator and longtime host. Hey, Don, welcome aboard. I can guarantee you'll enjoy the ride, especially if you like your soul ice cold, because none other than the Iceman himself is going to be looking you right dead in your eyes. But before that, it started here, in Chicago. There were about 10 of us that were in high school together, and we all went together. You cut school, didn't you? We cut school in the afternoon to get downtown. That's Curious City listener Larry Arroyo and his mom, Debbie. Yeah, and I got grounded when I got home. (laughs) Showed up on TV, what do you expect? (laughs) Larry wrote to us to learn more about that earliest period of Soul Train that a lot of people don't know about, when it began here in Chicago. And at that time, his mom and her friends weren't the only ones cutting school. I mean, these kids were like dying to be uh, on television, show their dancing skills and and be there on Soul Train with Don Cornelius. I remember the big apple hats and them dancing in the bell-bottom pants. You also had to go home, you had to change your clothes, you had to make sure your hair was looking right, you had to make sure your makeup was... So, yeah, it was a big deal. I'm Ariane Nettles. This week, August 17th, marks 53 years since Soul Train aired for the very first time here in Chicago. And we're going to tell the story of how our city gave birth to... The hippest trip in America. That's coming up next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curious City today to get 10% off your first month. Going to Soul Train in the 1970s, a very big deal. Hair done, check. Outfit looking right, check. Crew assembled, check and check. If you go down to the Chicago Board of Trade building today, you'll see people with their work bags and suits scurrying to and from their nine to fives. But back on August 17th, 1970, this place looked very different. Young people were lined up around the block to be part of the first airing of this new dance show. Hi there and welcome aboard. You're right on time for a beautiful trip on the Soul Train. And if the sight and sound of Soul is your pleasure and what's your treasure, you can bet your bottom we got them, baby. And after message from the Johnson Products Company, three of the most beautiful and talented sisters you've ever seen in your life are going to be looking you dead in your eyes where your beauty lies. That's the sound of the nationally syndicated show. We couldn't get a hold of any tape from the inaugural year. Folks who worked on the show say tape was really expensive back then, and the show was likely taped over. 
Anyway, they packed the tiny studio, along with mostly black creatives who were invited to showcase their talents on TV. Artist Michael Griffin was one of those creatives. I do remember it broadcasting out of there because I think right next to there was another place that we used to all go and hang out in called The Bull and the Bear, <laughs> which was a, a after work club in one of the buildings next to the Board of Trade, but down in the basement. Michael was part of a group of designers and models named Les Menage. They were cool, popular, on the scene. So it's not really a surprise that he'd be tapped to come on the show in those early years, because after all, that's how it went. I was known as a good dancer and someone who dressed well, which is kind of how those friendships began and that happened for us. And our group was pretty much uh, well-known uh, in the Chicagoland area. That's how he got to know Clinton Gent, a dancer and choreographer. Gent grew up with Don Cornelius, and Don tasked him with finding people for the show. Gent invited them on the Soul Train to model their clothing designs. I did watch the show when it first aired, and it was interesting because there was nothing else on TV that showed black dancers playing all uh, black music. Most of us know the big story of Soul Train, how it moved to L.A., all the major stars that would come through. But before all of that, before all that Hollywood glam, Soul Train looked, felt, and sounded like the soul of Chicago. All righty, let's check out that Soul Train line now. The Soul Train gang to the music of earth, wind, and fire, and mighty, mighty. Erica Blount Danois is the author of a book about Soul Train titled Love, Peace, and Soul. She says the show allowed the city's young people, like Michael Griffin, to become the show's stars. And that was part of the magic. It was in this small space, uh, like 10 by 10, like no air conditioning. But these kids were so talented that it took off. And also just being able to sort of see, you know, yourself on TV, like you felt, <laughs> you know, the kids felt like they were local celebrities because they were. But let's step back for a second. Don Cornelius didn't just show up at a TV station one day. He started out as a Chicago cop. Legend has it, he was discovered by an executive at radio station WVON during a traffic stop. The exec was blown away by Don's voice and suggested he get into radio. From there, Don's career took off. Let's get into trouble, baby. Now, the idea of a dance show wasn't necessarily new. So, when Don Cornelius pitched his idea, people didn't take it seriously at first because there were other shows in Chicago. But Don was motivated. He wanted to show black youth in a way that the national media wasn't portraying them at the time. His idea was to reimagine what a dance show could be. Make it fresher, edgier, cooler, like him. And pairing the city's young people with that vision proved to be a winning formula. The other part was, you know, Don Cornelius' vision as it related to having this kiddie show that was, I guess, a little bit more edgy than what was already happening. Um, there was, there were two other dance shows, Kitty A Go Go and Red Hot and Blue. 
But this dance show that he created on WCIU Channel 26 was a little bit edgier. These were teenagers a little bit older and they had dance moves that were, you know, they were, <laughs> they were good. On top of this, Chicago itself was already a music city, especially for black musicians. Just think about some of the most popular music of the 50s and 60s leading up to Soul Train in 1970 and where it came from. So you're talking about like chess records, you're talking about, um, you know, blues artists, Etta James, Muddy Waters, Dells, Chuck Berry, you know, all of these people in this sort of place that is not New York, but is a music town. You know, Earth, Wind & Fire, Curtis Mayfield, you know, in terms of business is also, um, you know, Sam Cooke creating his own label. But for a cool cat like Don to be able to raise his profile, to be able to get all of the influencers and young people needed to pull this off all at the same time, it took Don Cornelius's role as a black radio personality because that helped push him into celebrity. And as migration to Chicago from the South continued during this time, communities of black folks who love their radio personalities continued to swell. Here's what you gotta understand. Chicago was the Mecca. That's Melody Span Cooper the chair and CEO of the company that owns WVON. The station was the first in Chicago to cater to black audiences. Sound of WVON. More music! WVON Cicero. I do believe we shall overcome WVON. Her father, Purvis Band, was one of the city's most well-known names in radio, as well as the station's co-owner. So she grew up seeing Don Cornelius at work, and she saw the influence the station's Black radio personalities had. And they all had monikers. You had uh, E. Rodney Jones, the mad lad, right, who was the program director. Now, from the home of the good guys, the E. Rodney Jones Show. Welcome back, Jim. Hope you enjoyed your vacation, brother. You had uh, Bernadette C. Washington. She had the biggest women's club in Chicago, 3,000 women strong. But all of them had their own special identity, special brand, and what they brought, their own DNA, which made it so powerful. I'm uh, eight feet tall. I weigh 132 and a half pounds, very slender. And not really good looking either, but I do play some boss jams. There's no two ways about that. Radio personality Richard Steele may be retired, but his connections in Chicago radio still run deep. He worked at WVON with Don Cornelius, and they became friends around the time Soul Train was starting off. He says Don was ambitious and took full advantage of how well loved WVON personalities were in the communities. WVON was the killer radio station at that point. And Don was a news guy who uh, filled in as a disc jockey from time to time. Because VON had such high visibility, it gave the personalities visibility, even the news people. So he had he had sets at high school. He had record hops at high schools. And uh, he had a great deal of visibility. In addition to radio, Don Cornelius was already connected to WCIU, the TV station where Soul Train would air, because he had a news show there. He did a show called uh, The Black's View of the News that he did uh, daily. 
And uh, that's how he really first connected with Channel 26. At the time, the station was small. They were experimenting with programming and were open to allowing new show ideas, like those that appealed to specific demographics of viewers. Don used $400 of his own money to produce the pilot. When he came up with this idea for Soul Train uh, locally, it became a success. I mean, the first people he had on were the impressions. She may not be the best-looking woman I ever did see. Staple singers and and these kids loved to dance. He had built up a following of these kids because of the high school hops he used to do. So this thing, this program after school with these kids dancing on television in Chicago, that was major. I mean, these kids were like dying to be on television, show their dancing skills and, and be there on Soul Train with Don Cornelius. Soul Train wasn't the only show in the country, though. Every major metro area had a dance show with local teens clamoring to be on. But there was something about Soul Train and Don Cornelius that made this particular show stand out. Watching the show, he seemed so cool. Because he actually was. He was cool. <laughs> he, was, he was cool. If you knew him, you wouldn't say, oh, this is the erudite television personality who does... No, he's Don from the hood. I always admired him because he was cool. My thing was being cool. I had two people that I admired who were cool. Miles Davis was one because he was really cool. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and, and Don Cornelius was the other one. As a host, Don Cornelius's connection with the audience was effortless. And it was authentic. With him, since he was from the inner city and from the community, he connected directly. He didn't have to stretch to do that. He knew who everybody was, what they were about, as you do when you grow up in a community and you're, you're a person who's involved a lot. And it's that culture, that Chicago cool, that took Soul Train far past the walls of its 10x10 studio. In 1971, just a year after being a local show, Cornelius got a syndication deal and created a new version of the show in Los Angeles. There, it became a national phenomenon but it still remained a big deal in Chicago. And even today, you can still see its influence on the city's culture. That's up next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. In 2011, Chicago celebrated the 40th anniversary of the national version of Soul Train. That was incredible. I mean, it was an anniversary of the 40th, the 40th anniversary of the program, but it was also a celebration of Don Cornelius that had never happened in Chicago, celebrating him even after all of his successes. And this was, he, he was almost in tears and he was not a guy to really, you know, <laughs> shed tears. Richard Steele was an MC along with fellow radio celeb Herb Kent the Cool Gent. 
What was so amazing, and I think this is certainly noteworthy, I don't know the numbers, but there were a huge number of people. Larger percentage, obviously, black, but there were white, Hispanics, Asians. There were some of everybody out there. It was amazing. And they did a, <laughs> at some point before the actual ceremony started, they did a soul train line that lasted forever. And he was so moved, again, because he's ne he had never been celebrated in Chicago, even after all his successes. This, is, this was the first time. Even after Don Cornelius moved out to L.A., he continued to produce a local version of Soul Train in Chicago. Clinton Gent, who helped Don launch the original broadcast, hosted the Chicago show. It aired until 1979, and kids still lined the block for that one, too. Now that we've seen how it all began, let's talk about Soul Train's lasting legacy here in Chicago. My name is Dwayne Powell. I'm a DJ and music historian and I'm based in Chicago. Dwayne is known for his scholarly and practical work in the music industry and is a program partner for the Rebuild Foundation. He grew up watching Soul Train every week after his Saturday morning cartoons. Soul Train has, you know, been around my entire life. <laughs> he always was ready for the Soul Train line and whatever artist was going to be on. You know, you look forward to it every week. Dwayne says... It's no surprise that Don Cornelius saw the vibrancy of Chicago's soulful culture and molded it into something the world would love. And although the show ended in 2006, its legacy and that of its founder did not. Here in Chicago, Dwayne says there are new young creatives who are connecting with each other, taking control of their own futures and creating resources to display Chicago talent to the world. And I think that a lot of millennials have taken up the mantle of a lot of Chicago goodness and have been really, really um, forging new paths globally. You know, so I do see that era, how it shaped, you know what I'm saying, where we are now, how we get back to that kind of coolness. He's really proud of creatives like Chance the Rapper, Vic Mensa, and No Name, who are doing the very same things that people like Don Cornelius did in his day. Because of this, he wants young Chicago to know about the city's full influence. There's so much of Chicago history that has not been really covered and talked about. It's weird in 2023 that we still are this really untapped market and just how influential we were, you know, all over the world with so many, you know, things. I mean, this is the home of house music. This is the home of the modern blues. This is the home of gospel. Just like the magic we saw in that tiny studio in 1970, Chicago is still the epicenter of what's cool. Soul Train and Don Cornelius were the gold standard. And that is something huge to celebrate. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and is put together each week by the fabulous people in our own Soul Train line. Spacing, Jason Mark. Joe Dissot. Adriana Cardona Magiga. Maggie Civet. And Susie Ann. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. I'm Ariane Nettles. Thanks for listening.
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.